So today is going to be an interesting study. Last week we did uh, the first few verses in Matthew chapter 13. And then we skipped a whole bunch of verses. And then we jumped to the uh, later middle part of Matthew chapter 13. And so we left this gap of verses which today we are going to look at. We are going to be looking at specifically Matthew chapter 13 verses 10 through 17. Matthew 13 verses 10 through 17. And so... As we're doing this, the title of this morning's message is, Tell Me a Story. Tell Me a Story. As a kid growing up, I, I was trying to think about how important reading was to me. And I don't think I actually realized how important reading was until I was in... Honestly, I think I was in late junior high, I believe, is when I really understood it. Before then, it just felt like a chore, or it felt like, it felt like something I had to do. And I had a hard time when I would see people like, with books that were just super excited about it. I'd go, I don't get you. Like, I don't understand you. I don't, that, that book is, that, like, that book's huge. It's super thick. And you're, like, you're just like, I, and I, I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I couldn't quite understand. And then... Um, one of my teachers, you know, was like, well, Jim, you know, how about you read this uh, group of this bunch of books? It's, a, it's about some brothers and, and they have the last name Hardy. And so it's like, all right. So I started to go, OK, the Hardy Boy Adventures. So I started to read some of these adventures and I was just like, oh, cool. That's really cool. And then I just started to devour those books. And all of a sudden, something started to trigger in my mind in a way that hadn't before I was reading, which was the imagination just started to, to run wild in a good way, like just like possibilities and, and just going, wonder what those words would look like in real life. I think, you know, now that we live in, a, in an age where you have computer graphics and technology, and again, I'm a computer science major, so I'm not opposed to technology as a tool, don't get me wrong, but I believe that there's something that it doesn't encourage people to do, which is to use your own imagination about what's, what something might be like. See, if you go see a movie, and why sometimes a movie can be such a disappointment if you've read the book, is you in your mind had a much grander, better vision of what the story was. And instead, you're watching one person's vision of what the story was, and sometimes you can leave, uh, you know, a movie where you go, I read the story and ah, that movie was like, ah, because there's so much more. Like they had to cut this out and they had to cut that out. Have you experienced that yourself? Like that love of reading, that joy of reading? I don't read now anywhere quite as much as I did, well, even in high school or college. Um, I think part of that has been replaced a little bit by not really reading novels so much. I read lots of magazines. I listen to lots of podcasts. And it allows me to do some things while I'm listening. So the imagination is still being activated, but sometimes stopping to read a book can be challenging for me. I don't know if it's that way for you, but sometimes it can be challenging for me. I remember, though, when I was younger, I will remember this. Channel 13 in New York was the uh, uh, public broadcasting network. Um, or public broadcasting station, PBS. And so uh, they would show certain shows. And uh, in 1983, in the month of June, this show came on, and I was absolutely fascinated by it. Can we show this picture here? Some of you know this show. LeVar Burton, 
was watching TV and all of a sudden LeVar Burton would show up and it was the Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow, Reading Rainbow. You know, go anywhere, be anything. Butterfly in the sky. I could fly twice as high. It's in a book. Take a look. The Reading Rainbow. Right? You get it. Some of you know that. Some of you, your kids watch that. I, 1983 is when it started. It had over a 20, 23 year run. And, uh, I'd watch it, and, and the thing is, he was able to tell a story. And as he was telling a story, he was reading the book. And as he was telling the story and reading the book, it made me want to go to the local New York Public Library so that I could go get that book or get other ones. He said, hey, if you like that story, boys and girls, you may like these other books. And then I'd be like, grab a piece of paper and start writing down the titles of these books so that I can go to my library so that I can grab these other books. And it kind of sparked something in me. And it, I think it prepped me for that when my teacher started to introduce me to those Hardy Boy books growing up. You know, there's something to be said about a, a good storyteller. A good storyteller can disarm you because you're just listening. You're like, whoa, okay, what are, we, what are we talking about? What's going on? And you're engaged and you're trying to figure out what's going on. You're getting a picture in your head. What Jesus has been doing here in, in Matthew chapter 13 is he's been telling a story. A parable tells a story. And you may think it odd that we're going to explain what a parable is today when we taught about, we taught a parable last Sunday. Why do you just explain it last Sunday? Here's why. Because in the gospel, especially in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus just started telling a story. He didn't explain it first. He just started telling it. And so I thought that's what we should do here at the church. You know, last week, if you'd missed it, you can go online to teleoschurch.com. You can download or stream the message. And, and I'm not going to explain everything about last week's message. And so it may help you to listen to it if you haven't heard it yet. But Jesus was speaking of a parable of a sower, a person who scatters seed and he's scattering seed and it ends up on four different types of soil. And then Jesus says what happens to the seed as it lands on each one of those uh, types of soil. And then he's going to explain the what parables are, which is what we're going to look at today. And then after that, he explained that specific parable, that specific story. You know, stories and storytellers are so important. You know, it's something that you can open up a person's heart if you can tell a story and you can draw them into thinking about things that maybe they would never consider otherwise. There's a French Nobel Prize winner. His name was Albert Camus. He had a quote. I think you would see this quote on the screen. Albert Camus said, If it were not for the storyteller, civilization would destroy itself. If it wasn't for the storyteller, if there wasn't a way to describe things in such a way so that people would be disarmed and understand, civilization would destroy itself. So this morning, the title is Tell Me a Story. Let's pray. And I want to share a few things about the sower that I didn't share yesterday, last Sunday because we just, I ran out of time. And then we're going to explain the parable as Jesus is describing it here. So let's bow our heads, let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about the sower. Papa, as we come before you, we thank you that you tell us stories. And we thank you that as you tell us stories, you do it so that we might understand you better and ourselves. That we might realize we have an invitation to come close to you. I pray this morning that as we hear another story and as we hear you explain the parable and why they exist, God, that we would remember the times that you told the stories in our life. 
God, I pray that you would help us if we've had some amnesia and that we would remember the voice of you, the storyteller, telling us things about ourselves that maybe we said we would do something about, but we haven't yet. Lord, remind us of what you've told us if we've forgotten so that we might do what you told us to do. Holy Spirit, please empower me, the words before me, the ink on the page. That's not enough. I need the power that can only come from you, Holy Spirit, to do the work of the ministry so that I and every person listening might understand, God, what your heart is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in Mark chapter 13, as Jesus told that parable of the sower, there was a few things that came to mind that I didn't share with you. Here's one of the things that came to mind. The sower continues to walk as he scatters the seed. And I think sometimes you and I, I'm going to speak for myself, sometimes I can see somebody that so desperately needs to know who God is. You know, maybe you meet somebody and you just go, man, they would be a great Christian. Like they have a nice personality, you know, they're a nice person from the world's perspective, but the Bible is very clear that anyone without Christ is dead even as they are alive. They're spiritually dead. And so to just think about oh, this person or their family or that, they would, be, uh, they, they would just benefit so much from knowing who Christ is. And then your heart gets heavy for a person that they would know Christ. But I, what I can do sometimes or what I have done in the past is sometimes it's just like, okay, Lord, you put this person before me and it's like, okay, you've asked me to sow seeds, sow the truth of who, God, who you are, God, in their life. And so start throwing seeds. But then what I can find myself doing is stopping and then I've got my you know, bag of seeds and it's like, and they're under a mountain of seeds now, which by the way, for planting, planting practices, that's not good to leave a mountain of seed in one spot. And something as I was thinking about the sower and this thought wouldn't leave me this last week was the sower keeps moving. The sower has to keep moving. Why? Because there's a whole field. Sometimes the person you want to stop at and you just want to dump the seed on is your spouse. Because you know Christ and they don't know Christ. Or they've rejected Christ. And you're like, you know what? More seed will help. Okay, well, while that in and of itself isn't like, you can't just say that that's false right off the bat. Here's the thought though for you. Maybe more seed from you isn't the best. Maybe it's for your child. Raise them up at church. They come to church. They know what the truth is but they're going, I can see them, I can see it, they're starting to veer off, they're getting, they're hitting the guardrail, they're sparks, and they're going to go across the guardrail. And so you're telling them the truth, but then you're like, you know what, grab the extra bag of seed, we're going we're gonna to absolutely avalanche them. <laughs> Do you know what God's word, and then maybe the application of God's word comes as a waterfall that they can't get any breath under. Remember, the seed still works, the seed works. The seed doesn't need improvement. And all it takes is just one seed, one, to cause growth. In soil, remember the parable, in soil that is fertile. 
but you could dump a pile of seed, a mountain of seed on top of that rocky soil that has a little bit of uh, rocky ground with the little soil or the, the one with the thorns or, you know, uh, the one where the, where the ground is hard packed by people walking on it. If the soil is wrong, it doesn't matter how much seed gets put on there. You're not going to have lasting growth. See, so what we should pray for those that we want to stop and dump the seed on, we should be praying for the soil of their heart. We should pray that God would Um, that they would realize that they need to ask God to change the soil of their heart. It's not more application of the seed. If the soil is not right, the seed cannot grow. And maybe that will modify your perspective a little bit, especially if it's like a spouse or close family or your kids. Here's what you should pray though. You're not the only person God's called, Christian, to sow the seed. You know what you should pray? You should pray that God brings good peers into their life that are their age that love Jesus. You should pray that God brings good teachers, Sunday school teachers, youth workers that love Jesus. And you know, sometimes you've experienced this too. Sometimes the word of God can be hard to receive, not because there's any problem with the sower, but maybe because you just know the sower. (laughs) And you're like, I don't know if I want to receive that. But then it's somebody else that they're not related to. And all of a sudden, they're hearing the exact same thing that you said to them. And as a parent, you may get frustrated and go, that's what I said. Listen, it, don't take it personally. It's, the only reason they're not listening to you is because it's personal. But don't take it personally. It's because you're related. Don't take that personally. When my wife and I were junior high leaders, there's things that we would say. And kids would be like, man, I just love Jesus. I just love how you said that. And I would experience parents. They'd be like, Jim, I said the same thing to them. I go, I know you did but I'm not related to them. I'm not their parent and so they'll listen to me. You should pray. If you have kids that don't know Christ or that are wavering, you should pray for youth workers, youth leaders, teachers, Sunday school teachers, just Christians that God would use that aren't you so that they could also scatter the seed and so God could use that seed as well. So let me encourage you, don't stop and avalanche people with God's word. Love them, give them God's word But then realize your job is to keep moving. There's a whole field and you may be missing other people who are so ready. The soil of their heart is fertile, but you've stopped because you're like, I'm going to stay here until this person becomes a Christian. There's a whole field. Please keep moving. And there's a God who knows about that person. He's aware. Keep moving as you scatter the seed. The other thing I was thinking about with the sower and with our lives, I just want to encourage you because it really convicted me as well. We shouldn't have seed left in our bag at the end of our lives. I'm afraid to tell people about Jesus. You have the life-giving seed. You know it. But you're afraid to sow it. You're afraid to scatter it. You're afraid to spread it. So then you know what? You can have people that are dying spiritually while you have the words of eternal life. Throw the seed out there. It doesn't matter what they think about the seed. It doesn't matter what they think about you. Throw the seed out there. And if you go, well, what if I I use all of it up? You know, it's amazing. God will fill you back up again with his word. And that's why like that idea of like, I want to end with no seed in my bag. Well, I think we get it. There is no end to the seed, but I think it's that heart where it's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this bag. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to spread it to as many people in so many, as many ways as I can so that more people have an opportunity to know who Jesus is. I believe here in our community that the word of God has been spread, but I believe that there's so many unreached areas right in our own backyard. 
And you know who has what can change a person's life, the, the, the seed? You know who has that? Everybody who calls himself a Christian. Everybody who calls himself a Christian, guess what? You're a sower. Oh, it's the pastor's job. I'm doing it right now. And I'm doing it here. And then when I go to the store, I'll do it. And when I'm out and about, I'll do it. And when I'm standing someplace and I see somebody else that, you know, they're just there. Hey, how you doing? What's your name? I just start up a conversation. It's not the easiest thing for me. I'm like you at times where I'm just like, listen, I used all my words today. Can I just, can I just not right now? And you know what God says? No, you don't get to do that. I love that person right there that you're too busy or preoccupied to go talk to. Go talk to them. Go say hi to them. Just smile at them. It could be as simple as this happened just like a few days ago. I went to go get a sandwich for my wife and I went to the deli counter and it was like an hour before closing time and I went there and I was looking for a sandwich and there was a lady back there and I just was smiling. She's like, wow, how nice to see a smiling face this late in the day. And I was like, hey, listen, the alternative just really stinks. I said, so why not smile? She goes, that's what I think. Amen to that. I said, amen indeed. It's not difficult, but you have to do it. See, he's not just going to jump out of the bag. You have to actively, your responsibility, my responsibility, put your hand in the bag. You know, if you're a Christian, you know enough to tell somebody else about Jesus. Stop using the excuse of, I don't know enough. If you are a Christian, you know enough to tell somebody else about Jesus. Therefore, every Christian is called to be a sower. Everyone. Even one that just became a Christian five minutes ago. There's something else that I'd like to share about the sower from the parable last Sunday, but I'll share that at the very end of this message. So let's talk about a parable. What is a parable? Well, look in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. Let's take a look at this. Matthew 13, verse 10. Privately, after Jesus had spoken to the crowds, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, we've got to talk to you about something. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you speak to them in parables? And this is a legitimate question that the disciples are asking. Some of you would call yourself a straight shooter. If I see a problem, I'm just going to say it. Okay, well, if that's how you are and you operate that way, maybe you too understand the question that these disciples are asking. Jesus, why aren't you a straight shooter? Why don't you just tell them what the issue is? Why do you have to tell this flowery story? Why do you got to use all these words? Less words get to the point in and out. Some of you, that's your personality. And you know what? It's effective in certain circumstances. And it's ineffective in others. Because some people, if you come at them with the blunt hammer, they see it coming from a mile away. And they run the opposite direction. But if you come with the padded hammer, with the flower pattern on the padding, they may not recognize it as the hammer. And so they listen and they're like, ooh, ah, oh, ah. But they're listening. I think there's a place for both. I think there's a place and a time where you got to be just straight and you got to go, listen, there's either not much time or the severity or the situation requires me to use less words that are a little bit stronger. And then there's other times where, listen, everything doesn't require a sledgehammer, so put that away. There are times where you need to pause and consider, God, what's the best way for me to say this to somebody? And God may say, tell them a story. 
The disciples here were just wondering, Jesus, why are you using what looks like veiled speech? Why don't you just tell it like it is? Um, you know, for me as a teacher, if there's something disappointing that I hear, and it happens from time to time, is if somebody comes up to me afterwards or weeks later or months later and they say, well, Jim, hey, listen, you remember when you were talking about that thing? I had no clue what you were talking about. Ah, I'm so disappointed when I hear that. I'm not disappointed in the person. I'm disappointed in myself. I'm disappointed that I might have been able to say it in a way that could have reached them, but in whatever, maybe I got sidetracked. You know, surprise, surprise, imagine that. Or, or, or maybe I started a point but never finished it. Again, surprise, surprise with that. It disappoints me when people don't understand when I teach the word. And it's not, I'm not going to put the blame on them. Listen, my heart is that you would understand God's word. I, I do the best I can and I ask God to help me share his word in a relatable way that people can understand. But when I fail to do that, what that reminds me is that I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect communicator. I'm not a perfect storyteller and that I need God's wisdom to help me guide my words. And if that ever happens with you, don't feel bad about telling me. Well, Jimmy, you just said you get disappointed. I'm not going to be disappointed in you. Actually, if you come to me and give me feedback, you know what happens? It helps me be a better teacher. And you should encourage that kind of input in your life as well because you want to be better at what God has called you to do. You know, in the parable of the sower, it wasn't the issue with the sower. Now, in the parable with the sower, Jesus is the primary sower, if you will. He is the sower, capital S, sower, right? He's the one. And the thing is with Jesus, well, wow, Jesus is perfect. So there's actually no issue with Jesus, the capital S, sower. Yes, that's true. But, you know, with the little S sowers, you know, me and you, (laughs) um, we're not perfect. And so we may uh, incorrectly say something or, or, or speak, misspeak or be, you know, just we could have used better words. And for those things, yes, it is possible that we as sowers, we can get better at the way we broadcast the seed. Absolutely, totally agree with that. And I want to say this, if somebody is offended because I incorrectly taught God's word, then that's on me and I need to change. If somebody misunderstands who God is because you use the wrong words, or you spoke incorrectly or misrepresented God, that's on you. And you need to ask God to change your heart. But check this out. If the person is offended because I taught God's word correctly, that's not on me. That's on them. If a person is offended here at the church, my prayer is that they would be offended because I correctly taught God's word. Because then their issue has nothing to do with the delivery system. Their issue has to do with the seed itself. Their issue is, well, I don't like what the truth is. Well, hey, listen, that's not on me, okay? (laughs) I didn't come up with it. I'm just reading the words. You have an issue with the word and you have the one who gave the word, God himself. And so you're going to have to take that up with him. I'm just telling you what he said. And see, that's why when you scatter and broadcast the seed of God's word, if they don't like what you're saying, but you, 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 you scattered it correctly, it's not on you. You did your job. Good job. Continue and don't stop. So, you know, Jesus is going to remind us that if a person is interested in the truth, they're going to be able to receive the truth. 
And so this morning we ask ourselves this question, do you really, do you really want to know the truth? Think about a movie from the 90s. You can't handle the truth, says Jack Nicholson. But, uh, you know, like, do you really want to know the truth? Do you want to know the truth? Listen carefully. Do you want to know the truth about yourself? Because God will tell you the truth about yourself. And at times it's better than you had thought because he has a perspective of you that you don't have. And, he's going, and he, he tells you how valuable you are to him and how loved you are. And he's just like, wow. And there's other times where the truth that comes from God will absolutely sting because you're not as great as you think you are. You'll learn that your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. No, no, other people's hearts are, not mine, not my pure white like snow heart. No, sorry. Mm-mm. Question is, do you actually want to know the truth? Do you want to know the truth about yourself? Do you want to know the truth about God? Do you want to know the truth about why this world is so broken? Do you want to know the truth? God will tell you the truth if your heart wants to know the truth. Verse 11. Huh, moving at a rapid pace today. And he, Jesus, answered them. Here's the question. Why, don't you, why do you speak to people in parables? Why do you speak roundaboutly? Verse 11. And he answered them. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. But to them... It has not been given. Secrets of the kingdom? Whoa, what? Jesus is saying by telling a story, I'm telling you secrets about my kingdom. I'm going to hide the kingdom and the truth about my kingdom in plain sight. In plain sight, I'm going to hide my kingdom. And the people that can see it are those whose hearts are like that fertile soil. And those that can't see it, even when God is standing right in front of them, will be those whose hearts are those other three types of soil. What are some secrets of the kingdom of God? I'm just going to just say a few things that they didn't know about that Jesus had to tell them about. These are things that weren't revealed. The virgin birth of the Savior. They didn't know that the Savior would be born of a virgin unless God revealed to them that the Savior would be born of a virgin. They didn't know that Jesus was going to have to die for sinners unless Jesus told them that they would have to, that he was going to have to die for sinners. Jesus didn't, if Jesus didn't tell us that there was going to be an end to this present world and that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new perfect universe, there's no way that you and I could ever know that unless God revealed these secrets of his kingdom. We wouldn't know about the wicked nature. We would have an idea about the wicked nature of the human heart, but we wouldn't really know how wicked we are had Jesus not revealed to us our nature and our heart. We would have a hard time understanding the purpose of the local church or the church in large if Jesus didn't tell us its purpose. And we wouldn't know about the fact that we will have a future resurrection, that we will be given new bodies that we will be in the presence of God forever. We wouldn't know these things if God himself didn't reveal them through Jesus. There are many secrets of the kingdom. And you would look at it and go, Jim, all that stuff you mentioned to me doesn't seem like a secret. You know why it's not a secret? Because you know it. Do you realize that up until this time, it was hidden? The stuff that I just mentioned to you that we as 21st century Christians take for granted about, of course, everybody knows that. They didn't know that. They were secrets. And Jesus says, for those whose hearts are soft, I'm going to tell you secrets about my kingdom. So let's look at a few things that a parable is. We'll just look at a couple things that a parable is here. Uh, a parable, parables are, parables are a window. That's the first thing that they are. They're a window. In what way? They show God's kingdom. 
They show God's kingdom. And like the windows that are here in this building here, if we open the shades and open the blinds there, you would be able to look outside into a bigger world, a world that's larger than the room that we're in right now. Think about this room as your life and this world that we live in. It's limited. It has its boundaries and all that other stuff. When we hear a story told by God, it opens up a window and we can look out and This is what we need to know about parables. Parables are not here to tell us every single thing about God's kingdom. Just like a window just gives us a small field of view as we look out. We can go side to side and see a little bit more, but ultimately we can't see everything that's outside of this building through one window. A parable is meant to give you a glimpse of God's kingdom. This is why you don't build um, and you know you don't just look at one parable and, and come up with this entire belief system based on one parable. A parable is just meant to give you a a window showing a small slice of God's kingdom. And so Jesus is saying here in verse 11, it's been given to you, parables have been given to you so that you would know the secrets of the kingdom. Come look through this window. What is the rest of God's kingdom like? Oh, wait wait till I tell you a few more parables. That'll open up a few more windows. But ultimately you won't know about my kingdom completely until you are in it. But boy, the previews are pretty awesome. You know, um... We would have no idea about the things of God if God didn't tell them to us. You'll hear me pray before I teach, God, Holy Spirit, please give me the words to share. Here's why. When Jesus ascended into heaven, after he rose from the dead, he was on the earth for over a month, and then he rose into heaven. Before he left, he said, I'm going to give you a helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And so do you realize, Christian, you have a helper to help you with the things here on this earth. And what things can God help you with? What can God the Holy Spirit help you with? God the Holy Spirit can help you understand God's kingdom. You just have to ask him. And remember, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. In John chapter 14, verse 26, this is what Jesus said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, by the way, there's the Trinity right there, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one verse, Uh, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to remembrance all the things that I said to you. You suffer with spiritual amnesia? God give you a helper for that. It's the Holy Spirit. Ask him to remind you of the things that you forgot. Well, how do I know what I forgot? You don't. That's why you ask him. Just go, Holy Spirit. If I've forgotten something really important, please can you remind me? Jesus said that God the Father has provided the Holy Spirit for you. You have a helper. You're not alone here in this life. Okay, so let's keep looking in verse number 12 here. Jesus is going to say some things here. He's going to say, For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Jesus gave the parables so that those whose hearts were open would understand more truth. If you desire to know the truth, that's why I ask you the question, do you actually want to know the truth? If you really want to know the truth, not just saying the word yes, but in your heart, you really want to know the truth, guess what God will do? He will reveal, reveal the truth of who he is to you. He will. And the more you want to know his truth, guess what? The more of God's truth he reveals to you. The less of God that you want to know, guess what? The less he reveals to you. 
wait, are you telling me that I can know more about God if I just desire to know more about God? Yes, that's what Jesus is saying here. And this is why it's so important to not take God's word out of context. Can you see how somebody could look at verse 12 and go, you know what? This has to do with money and financial gain. Let's just take somebody that, that looks at verse 12 as if not talking about parables at all. This is, this is how you can misapply God's word. Look at this, verse 12. If somebody wanted to really push this financial gain and like, hey, tell those Christian fellowship, you want more money in your bank account? You just give us more money. By the way, I'm not saying that at all. I'm using it as a bad example. So look at this, verse 12. For to the one who has more, more will be given, and he who has abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. You know what? You need to give more and more and more to God, and God will give you more and more and more and more. Okay, what are we talking about here? Money, possessions, comfort. No, that's not what we're talking about here. This is why it's important to know God's word in context of what we're talking about. This is why we teach through the Gospel of Matthew and not just pull a verse out here or there. And I think you can see how easy it is for somebody to just grab a verse and put their own theology on it, which could be false. And then other people who are listening, who are not trained like you are to read God's word, would just go, okay, that sounds good. I'm not even going to open my Bible because I trust you. (laughs) No, open your Bible. If somebody's teaching the Bible, you have your Bible open and you follow along as well. And you would be able to go, this has nothing to do with finances. This has to do about knowing God and who he is. You would be correct if you interpreted that way. This is about knowing more about who God is. And Jesus said, that's why I speak in parables. You know, um, there are those that come to church because it is a socially, well, not, not so much now, but at least for me growing up, and I say even in the 90s, early 2000s maybe, it is a socially acceptable thing to go to church. Whether a person was a Christian or not, it was one of those things where it's like, well, you know, it's a good thing. If, 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 if back in the day or back when I was growing up, it was one of those things where like, oh, they go to church. Well, that, that kind of means that, you know, they, uh, they're more rounded. They're a more rounded person. They're taking care of their financial aspects and in the church, they're taking care of their spiritual aspect of their life. But I think... If there's anything that we're seeing in our day and age now, you're getting folks that are going, I'm tired of playing the game. I actually don't care about God or the things of church, so I'm just not going to show up. In one way, that's good because now we're not faking it. But in another way, that's not good because they don't have a heart for God. And I think we need to be just honest and go, God, where is my heart towards you? It is so easy for a make-believer to look like a believer. In other words, they are so practiced in playing church and playing Christian, but yet when it came down to it, when God does his examination of their heart, you will see that the seeds never took root and grew. But on the surface, they looked like a believer. You and I, we need to be praying for people. Don't avalanche them with seeds, but we need to be praying for them that they would realize their need for Christ. You know, um, if we can look at the, what a parable is here, a par- uh, parables are a window showing God's kingdom. Here's the other one. Parables are a mirror. A mirror that uncovers our own heart. See, you start telling a story, a parable, and you're listening to the story. But what a parable does is a story, it bypasses our defense mechanisms. 
all of a sudden the little defense turrets go down and the security guards are like, oh no, that's cool. He's just telling a story. Let him in, let him in. He's telling a story. He's telling a story. And the thing is, as you tell the story, it's really important that you tell the story, but you make sure that it's not a story that's so tightly um, identified with the person you're talking to. For example, let's say, um, let's say I'm talking to Scott. Okay, I'm talking to Scott. I go, Scott, I got to tell you a story. I go, so here's the thing. It's about this guy. His name is Scott Christ. And he's married to this wonderful lady named Maria. Anyway, there's just a story, right? And this guy's messed up and he needs to, like, I mean, like, so here's the thing. Scott's awesome. He can handle it. That's why I just used it. Listen, some of you would have left the church if I used you as an example right there. So, uh, see, do you see how that's ineffective? But it was like, hey, Scott, dude, I got to tell you a story about this guy. Yeah, I got to tell you about this. And all of a sudden you're like, you're leaning in. The security guards are like, yeah, come on in. We're listening to a story now. Everybody sit down. It's story time. Grab your hot cocoa and marshmallows. Let's listen to a story. This is why telling a story is so effective. Because then someone who would normally go, oh no, I see where they're coming. I see they're going to talk about me. (laughs) Families are not very good at this. And I say that as being in a family too. Because we know each other so well. You know what we end up doing? We end up using the not padded hammer. You know what your issue is? And then you know what the response could be? We've all done it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You know what happened right there? The defenses were ready. The defenses were up. And whatever you're going to say isn't getting across. But when you tell a story, all of a sudden it's, oh, it's a story. Cool. And what we do is we're going to give credit to the intelligence of our listeners when we tell a story. We're going to give them credit that they have the ability to process the information that we are saying to them And we have a trust in God Almighty that he is able to work in their heart at the appropriate time and in the appropriate way to reveal the truth of the story, the parable to them. Jesus told a story about a sower scattering seed. Everybody's like, yeah, sower scattering a seed, sower scattering a seed. And then the the crowd walks away. And what are they thinking about? Sower scattering. So wait, I don't think he was, was he talking about more than just a sower? I wonder what he was talking about. Well, the sower scattering the seed. Those, those are interesting. There's four different types of soil. Huh, I wonder. No, I think he was talking about more than seed and, and agriculture. I think he was. Do you see? Sometimes we, we, we don't see the instant result. We, we sometimes tell a story about who God is, and then we don't see something happen right away, and then we're like, it didn't work. Hey, it takes a little time for seeds to germinate. Think about your own walk with the Lord. Are you telling me the very first person that told you about Christ? You're like, yes, absolutely. I accept Jesus fully. Or was it a process of people in your life that scattered seed and then came and maybe left because they continued to scatter seed in whatever the field was. And then somebody else came by and a youth worker came by and your grandmother came by and shared the truth with you. And then your neighbor came by. And then that person at a funeral that said, I don't blame God. In fact, I'm thankful that God has taken them to a better place to be with him. And you're like, wait, what better? What? And all these seeds are being scattered into your heart. Think about the fact that for you it was a process and then now don't get frustrated when for other people it's also a process. Scatter the seed and continue to move. Parables are a mirror and they're designed to show our own heart. See, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 14 and 15, if you follow along here, Jesus says, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. This is the people whose hearts don't want to receive the seed. Jesus says, hey, the prophet Isaiah talked about this. 
in Isaiah, he quotes Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Jesus says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn. And I would heal them. So the words I was reading was Matthew chapter 13, 14, verses 14 and 15. But what's on your screen here is what Jesus is quoting. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. This is why it's important for a Christian to know the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is the Bible that Jesus used. Whenever Jesus quotes from the scriptures, he's quoting the Old Testament. And it's always good to know where he was quoting, because then you can read the verses and the chapters before and the verses and the chapters afterwards, so you can understand what Jesus would have meant. This chapter in Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, is where Isaiah is being commissioned by God to be a seed scatterer to the children of Israel. But God informs Isaiah about the people he's going to go to. And then God said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their hearts, uh, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. God is informing Isaiah that he's going to come up against a group of people that are spiritually numb, dull. Their senses are dull. It's so that Isaiah won't be discouraged as he scatters the seed. Let me encourage you for something here. There are people that you're going to encounter as you scatter the seed here in this world who are spiritually dull. I'm not saying they're dumb or stupid. What I mean is their senses have been dulled. So even if Jesus is right in front of them, you're like, how can you not see Jesus? Hey, come to church with me. They'll come and sit with you at church or they'll hear a message or you'll encourage them to, to listen to this sermon or something like that. And so they hear a sermon and you heard it and it changed your life. You heard it and you're like, I'm so excited about Jesus. The very same person, a different person could hear the very same message and go, I didn't get it. It wasn't even moved. I don't see what you think is so important about Jesus. You know why? It's because their senses have been dulled to the spiritual things. Jesus warned Isaiah that that would happen as he went to the children of Israel. But here we are in the New Testament and Jesus is speaking and he's letting his disciples know, hey, of that crowd of people, there's going to be some in that crowd. They didn't even get it. They didn't get the point of what I said because they're spiritually, their hearts are dull. This, this verse in Isaiah and this whole idea is quoted six Seven times in the New Testament. We just read one of them in Matthew. Seven times. Why? God continually wants to remind us, not everybody you tell the word to is going to get it. Don't you get discouraged by people who don't see the importance of who Jesus is. You just keep scattering the seed and you just keep loving everybody, including those whose hearts are hard towards God. You just love them. Think about this. The exact same sun that can soften wax on a hot day not here in Arcata, but like, let's say like Phoenix, Arizona, right? <laughs> put a, you know, put a block of wax out on the sidewalk in Phoenix, Arizona, and that's going to be a puddle. You also put out some pottery made out of clay in the sun. That pottery will get hard. The sun didn't change. What changes or what determines what happens is the material. For some people, their hearts are soft towards the things of God. They've reached a place of brokenness in their life. You know, they, they just hit that rock bottom or that place where they're like, I can't, I realize I can't do this. You know what's happened? Their heart has turned to wax in this sense. Now when the sun of God's word, the, the light of God's word hits them, they melt with God's word. And then there's others who have hardened their heart towards God's word. They're like clay. And then when God's sun shines on them, they just get harder and harder 
and harder. Just keep in mind, God hasn't changed and his truth hasn't changed. You just keep being faithful. And, you know, the, the thing is, in Ezekiel, we'll look at this verse in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 12, 1 and 2, the word of the Lord came to me. This is to the prophet Ezekiel. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house who have ears to see, but see not. Who have ears, sorry, who have ears to see. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Ezekiel 12, verse 2. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see, but see not. Who have ears to hear, but hear not. For they are a rebellious house. Ultimately, the reason why a person's heart is hard towards God is because their heart is rebellious against the things of God. They want things their way. That's ultimately why. And we must remember this. You cannot be rebellious and not have a cost to being rebellious. God will bring consequences into the obstinate person's heart. And this is what you and I need to remember. He's doing it not because he hates them. He brings consequences to the hard-hearted person because he loves them and he's trying to get their attention. The problem is with a hard-hearted person, you have to turn the volume up. As the senses get dulled, the lights have to be turned brighter, the volume has to be cranked higher. God doesn't want to do that, but if that's what it takes to reach somebody who's harder, guess what? That person all of a sudden has these crazy circumstances happening in their life. And it's like, I think God might be trying to get your attention. Are you, are you listening? And for some people spiritually, they're like, huh? What? I've noticed this. Nothing quite gets our attention like consequences. Consider, I don't have this picture but let me describe this story to you. This is the story of the world's meanest mom. World's meanest mom? Who gave her that title? I think she gave herself that title. Actually, I think her daughter probably called her that, but then she kind of gra- grasped it and embraced it. This mom from Minnesota, this was in 2015, I believe it was, or something like that. She had a daughter who was rebellious, horrible towards her siblings, disrespectful to mom, and continually that way, a rebellious child. Well, mom decided to put her lifted four by four pickup truck on Craigslist for sale. And the daughter and the daughter's friends kept trying to take it down and kept trying to have Craigslist take it down saying that, no, that's stolen. That's not her. She can't sell it. The thing is the mom had the title. And so she had this classic description on Craigslist about this truck. She's got 35 inch tires on it. It's great for somebody that just wants to be able to get around here in Minnesota. And she said, my daughter has been rebellious and has continually been disrespectful. And so she is now, uh, she's lost the privilege of having this truck. And the title's in my name so I can do this. You see how that works, she says, right? So I'm like, ooh, this mom's a little spicy as she's like just going for it, but okay. And, uh, and she goes, I've been labeled the world's meanest mom. And she just kept calling herself that. And near the end of it, she said, if you attend my daughter's high school, I will give you $300 off of this truck because I want my daughter every day for the rest of her high school career to see the consequences of her rebellion as you drive the truck that was formerly hers. being rebellious has a cost god is so mean 
No, you're just so rebellious. All God wants to do is love you. He died for you before you were even born. He sent his son for you and he died for you. And you're saying he doesn't love you? You're just a rebellious, spoiled child. And you're dealing with your consequences for your rebellion. There is a way for the pain to stop. Stop rebelling against God. And so we need to remember this. When we read these verses and we see verses where it's like, you know, they have ears, they don't hear. Their hearts are getting hard. Oh, look, God's making their hearts hard. No, God's telling them where their hearts are. And God's also forecasting into their future if they don't change. He loves them enough to go, look at your future. You're going to get harder towards me. Make the change today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Come back home. I love you. Sign the world's meanest dad, right? But he's not mean. Maybe he's quoting us as, we, as what we said to him. You're just such a mean God. He's not. No one could love you more. No one will ever love you more than God. No one will ever love you or me more than God. And it breaks his heart. You have to remember this about sin. Sin is not primarily breaking God's law. That's not what sin is. Sin is primarily breaking his heart. You're breaking his heart. He's done everything for you. He's done everything for me. Why are you breaking his heart? Why won't you submit to the loving care that he wants to give you? Because we're rebellious. It's two more verses. Jesus is now going to speak about those whose hearts are soft and who are obedient. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, Jesus says, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Think about this. This is maybe really uh, hard for you to believe. And I, I know when I was reading this and considering this as, this, as this passage was taught to me over the years, I had a hard time believing that verse. Because you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying that the prophets of the Old Testament wished they were where you are. Adam wishes he had seen Jesus the way you and I see Jesus. Noah wishes that they would have known who Jesus was and God's plan the way you and I. Abraham wishes that he was in our place. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Nehemiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel. Jesus just said, if it wasn't Jesus saying it, I might be like, yeah. Jesus said, the prophets of old wished they knew what you know. They wished that they had the perspective of God's plan, like you and I have a perspective of God's plan. We don't have the complete every detail, but man, the scope of it on this side of the cross, the saints that lived on the other side of the cross wished that they had what we have. We should take advantage of the fact that we have a broader perspective of the plan of God and we should not leave seed in the bag. The last thing I want to say this morning, and this takes me back to the parable of the sower, and this was a thought that had come to mind in the last week here. Worship team, you can come up as I share this point. Church, you and I 
Maybe this is what stumbles you. If it's not the fear of casting the seed out because you're afraid about what people will think, maybe this is something else that causes you to be fearful or, or hesitates when it comes to doing what God says about being a sower. You and I, keep this in mind, you and I are not called to be soil inspectors. That is not our job. That's not our job. The parable of the sower, if you think about it from an agricultural point of view, it is a very odd story. I don't know, do you see farmers that are distributing seed now, you know, mechanized with their machinery? Do you see them out on the highway scattering seeds? Do you see them out on rocky soil scattering seeds? Do you see them out in a place that hasn't, you know, that is known to have thorns? Do you see them scattering seed? What farmer does that? That's a, this is actually a crazy story. From an agricultural point of view, what farmer just throws seed everywhere? And Jesus here, as he's sharing the story, you and I are not called to inspect the soil. That is not our job. What does that look like when we inspect the soil? Here's what this looks like. I've done it. I'm ashamed to say that I've done this, but I'm pretty sure you've done it too. You look at a person and God just tells you, you need to tell them about me in some way. You need to show my love towards them. And we kind of look at them and you know what we start to do? Inspect their soil. That is not our job. It's real simple. God's like, I want to make this so simple for you. Bag, hand, in, throw. Walk, repeat. That's it. That's it. But you know what we can throw into that? Bag, hand, inspect, inspect. Judge, inspect. Conclusion, keep walking. You're not doing your job. You missed the point. You are not called to be a soil inspector. So you know what that means? It opens up a whole possibility. I believe there's a whole possibility, a group of people that maybe you've been rejecting. I think we all have certain groups of people or types of people that because of our own sin nature, we are less apt to go towards them for whatever it is. Then you are not following what Jesus has told you. I am not following what Jesus has told me. If I start to avoid any group of people, any group of people, because I'm determining their soil or trying to, you know, let me take some pH tests here and see how... They, no, stop it. You're wasting the little time you have in your life and it's not your job. Put your hand in the bag, throw the seed, keep walking, repeat. This is why when you have family members, you're like, no, nah, I know them, I know them. Now nah, they're never going to change. I just have to say, you are so wrong because you don't know their heart and you don't know what God's doing. I believe you feel that way but just know you're only a human being. I'm only a human being. You're actually not, I'm not that insightful into people's hearts. I'm not. You're not either. So stop using the excuse, well, I know where they are, so I'm just not going to waste my time with them. Wow, aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that with you? Because I'm really glad he didn't do that with me. Oh, that Jim? He's going to reject me in college or he's going he's to go through these struggles. He's going he's to be such a pain. He's going to be so like high maintenance. I'm so glad Jesus said, ah, Jim is going to struggle and he's going to reject me in college and he's going to be so high maintenance and I love him and I'm going to scatter the seed in his direction. Do you realize how large the field is right outside this door? Do you realize how many areas of that field have not had seed scattered on them? And some of you walk those sections of the field every day. Put your hand in the bag and scatter the seed. It's what you're called to do, Christian. Love the people right around you. I'm going to have the worship team come on up here. And as they do, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. So a parable is three things. 
a window, a mirror, and a door. Jesus says that he stands at the door and he knocks. The door he's knocking on is the door of your heart. He wants to come in. He would love to come in, but he's a gentleman. He'll never kick your door down. He's never going to force you. Never. He's just asking. And he'll ask you. He'll knock on your door all the way up until your last breath. He's giving you another opportunity. He's knocking today. As you're here this morning, whether you're listening on the radio or the internet, or you're here in person, I don't want to embarrass you and I won't do that at all. But we've got our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, in other words, you, re- you understand that you can't do this by yourself. You understand that you've been rebellious against God. You've been walking away from Him. But you heard His voice calling you back to Him today. You know that He loves you and He just wants you back home. Would you receive Jesus today? If that's who you are today, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand. Is there anybody here this morning that would like to receive Jesus as their Savior? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You can put your hands down. If you're listening on the radio or the internet, God can see your heart. He knows where you're at. And if you want to receive Jesus, here's what you need to do. Whether you're here in person or you're listening, please say a prayer, something like this to Jesus in your heart. He loves you. He's always loved you. He's crazy about you. Pray something like this. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm rebellious against you. I'm walking the wrong way and I want to turn around. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I understand that I've broken your heart and I'm so sorry and I ask that you forgive me for everything that I've done against you and everything that I've done against others. Jesus, I want to be someone who shares the truth with this world, with the people right around me. Jesus, give me the seed of your truth. Give me the boldness to just let people know that I love you. Jesus, help me to share your love with those right around me. Jesus, give me the power to do what I can't do by myself. Jesus, I believe you came You lived a perfect life. You died a perfect death. And then you rose again from the dead. And I believe that I'm going to rise again from the dead too. Jesus, I believe that someday soon I'm going to see your kingdom. And I'm going to see you face to face. Thank you for welcoming me home. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for making me a Christian. In your name I pray. Amen. And Father, for the rest of us, we just want to pray, Lord. Use us to share your light to a dark, spiritually dark county. A place where people can do so many things that you would think would make them happy, but is only causing them to go further down the pit. God, I pray that we would have the heart to love the people that you've put right around us. God, if our hearts are hard towards some people in our community, then we're wrong. God, change our hearts that we would love everyone with the love that you showed us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.